Last week, I launched my free 10-week basic cooking course, Kitchen Clueless to Food Independent. In the first episode, we defined basic cooking terms. And if you haven't listened to it, you should go back and check it out. Um, this week, or this episode, we're going to look at some basic kitchen equipment, how to use it, how to buy it, if you need it, and whatever else you need to know. I'm Chef Ben, this is Food in 5, and this is Kitchen Clueless Basic Kitchen Equipment. Knives. It should come as no surprise that I get asked a lot about knives. What kind should I buy? How much should I spend? What are the best ones? Uh, here's the thing about knives. You don't need to spend loads of money, but you do want to spend a little bit. And before we get into what to look for in a knife, let's look at what to avoid. What to avoid when buying knives. First of all, avoid buying knife blocks full of knives. Most typically, the knives that come in these sets are cheap and of poor quality. Yes, it may seem great that you can get a full set of knives for 100 to 200 bucks, but they aren't going to but they are going to be garbage. Within a few months of use, they'll be very dull and likely rusty. If you were to buy a decent quality set of knives with the knife block and everything, you'd be paying minimum $1200, probably closer to 14 even 2000. Anything less than that, they're really not worth buying. This is true no matter what brand name is on the handle because every brand is high-end and low-end knives. What's in a name? Don't buy a knife just because it has a name you recognize. Most commercial knife brands, like I said, make very high-quality knives and very low-quality knives. A cheap knife with a brand name is still a cheap knife. When it comes to knives, you really do get what you pay for. Don't buy a knife based on price. Just like you shouldn't buy a cheap knife just because it is cheap, you shouldn't buy an expensive knife just, knife just because it is expensive. When buying a knife, price should be not the last thing on your mind, but it shouldn't be the first thing on your mind either. And I know I said you get what you paid for, but that's within reason. There's, a, there's kind of a limit to that. So just to recap, don't buy knife blocks full of knives. It's not worth the money. You're not even going to use most of those knives. Don't buy a knife just because of the name. And don't buy a knife just because of the price. But what should you look for when buying a knife? The absolute most important thing to think about when buying a knife is how does it feel in your hand? Is it comfortable? Do you want to use it? Does it have a good weight and balance to it? Is it that it feels cheap or of low quality? Or does it feel well-built and durable? Those are the important things. Now let's do a little thought experiment. What do you think is the better knife to buy? One that costs a thousand plus dollars. It's is forged in the foothills of some fancy sounding mountain in Japan by a guy whose family has been making knives for a thousand generations, but that doesn't feel comfortable in your hand that you likely aren't going to use or a knife that costs $120 feels good in your hand, like an extension of your arm. and makes you want to use it. I think it's obvious that the $120 knife is the way to go in that situation. For the record, if you buy a good quality $120 knife, you will have it for the rest of your life. Where to buy knives. When it comes to where to buy knives, I suggest hitting up the old Google and searching for kitchen supply stores in your town. These are stores that supply professional chefs and restaurants, but are open to the general public. There you will find by far the best selection of knives at a range of prices. Ask someone who works there if you can handle a few. Ask about the differences and ask if they have any, anything you can cut. 
that often they'll have a few things there that you can actually try the knife on. Whatever knife feels best in your hand is the one that you should aim to buy. Your hand should never feel fatigued or tired by because you're holding a knife. It should feel comfortable and it should feel like an extension of you. How much should you spend on a knife? For the average home cook or even the above average home cook, a knife in the range of $120 to $300 is more than you need. Um, and that seems like a lot, I'm sure, but ideally you're going to have this knife for the rest of your life. And I would actually suggest staying at the lower end of that price range. Any more than you're paying for status and style rather than usability. A $120 knife will probably last you the rest of your life if you maintain it well. Having said that, if you go to a kitchen supply store, you will probably see knives that have yellow plastic or green and red plastic handles. Those are knives that we use in professional kitchens all the time. It's like what the restaurant will buy. And they are built for durability. They will get beat up. They will they will be dulled. They'll be sharpened over and over again. They will last forever in regular conditions. They're not the prettiest knives, and they're not always the most comfortable to hold, but they do last forever. So if you're just looking for something cheap that's going to last you a really long time, look for the industrial like kind of chef's knife. At, at your local kitchen store. Okay, so what knives do you actually need? One of the other problems I have with buying the knife block, as I said, is that you get a pile of knives you don't need and will probably never use. In all seriousness, you need three, maybe four knives. That's it. Really, you could break that down to two. First of all, you need a good all-purpose chef's knife. The chef's knife can be anywhere from nine to 14 inches, and it's what you will use most. Now, if you prefer a Japanese style, that's fine, but just a knife that you use for almost everything. Uh, you need a good paring knife. Lots of uses for a good paring knife, from peeling vegetables to cutting small things. Um, and actually, when it comes to paring knives, the $10 grocery store ones with the colorful handles are fine. You're going to go through them quick, but they're cheap enough that it doesn't matter, and they're going to last a long time. Um, they are of okay quality and are cheap enough to throw away if, if they get too beat up. You will likely want a serrated knife as well for slicing bread and stuff. It would be about $50 to $100 is more than enough to spend on this. And you can get a good one, honestly, for like $30. Bucks. Finally, you may want a utility or fillet knife, depending on how often you cook and the types of things you cook. A utility knife is like a chef's knife that has been shrunk in half. And a fillet knife is just kind of a thin blade, often flexible for taking bones out of poultry or meat or fish. If you're not going to do that kind of stuff, don't worry about getting one. Okay, that's knives. Let's jump into something else. Pots and pans. When it comes to pots and pans, what you have is probably fine. However, if you're in the market for a new set, plan on spending between $250 to $1,000. I know that's a lot. I know, but that's what it costs. You could spend way more than that, but you don't really need to. And honestly, like $300 is more than enough. I recommend a good quality set of stainless steel pans. They go on sale very often. Don't worry about nonstick. Don't worry about gimmicks or special coatings. Stainless steel will outlast just about anything. I currently have two, well, actually I have three sets now. I have a stainless steel KitchenAid set, which was probably around three to $400. Uh, I have, and I've had that for at least 13 years. And other than a dent in the frying pan because I dropped it, a little discoloration, and the silicone on the handle starting to peel off a bit, they're in great shape and have gotten and I've gotten so much use out of them. 
Um, I also have a set of stainless steel Agostina pans, which are the ones that you can see in pictures. I got them for sale for sale on around for around two hundred fifty dollars, and I use them for work. Uh, and they're actually not very good, you know. Honestly, they're like lower end Legostina pans. Legostina has a really good brand name, but the pans themselves, like within a couple of weeks of using them, one of them warped. Um, yeah, they're just not the best pans that I've ever used. Uh, and then I actually have a stackable set of T fall pots and pans that they gave me which I, I've only had for a little while and I haven't used too much, but they're fine. I just, for the price and usability, you're better to invest a little bit of extra money, like three, 400 bucks. You get a set that's going to last you 20 years, right? It's like don't get something that's only going to last a year or two. You're going to end up spending more money in the long run. Types of peelers. The importance of a good quality vegetable peeler cannot be overstated. I prefer the Swiss style. Um, I like the Swiss style because they are more comfortable to hold and to use. So if you can picture a regular vegetable peeler, it has like a long handle and the blade is kind of an extension of the handle and it's all just like one line. With the Swiss style, you have the handle and the blade sits on top, on top of kind of like a horseshoe. Um, so it almost looks like a bottle opener, but the top of the bottle opener is the peeler it's hard to explain but it's much easier to use they're really cheap you can get a good one for like eight bucks the blade comes off so you can wash them and it lasts forever i have two i have one that i've had uh in my knife kit for work for over 10 years now we use that one in the house and then i just recently bought a new one for work but the old one is still sharp it still works really well and so much easier to use um I find the steel ones, oh, excuse me, I skipped ahead there. The more standard type of peeler, uh, you know, the one with the straight handle and straight blade, uh, they can run you between $25 and $45. And I find these much more difficult to use than the Swiss style. I also find that no matter how much I spend on the style of peeler, they only stay sharp for a year at most. Again, I've had my Swiss style peeler for years. Um, and if you're wondering what I'm looking for, go to Google and type in Swiss Mar, S-W-I-S-S-M-A-R, vegetable peeler. And you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Measuring spoons and cups. A good set of measuring spoons and cups will last a lifetime and will help you to cook more accurately. Now, I prefer stainless steel measuring cups and spoons over plastic ones for a few reasons. I find the steel ones to be more accurate, easier to clean, and that the measurement is matched. And if you get the ones with the measurement etched into the steel, um, it's never going to rub off. With printed ones, going to rub off, and then you're going to have to buy new ones or memorize which ones are which. The stainless steel measuring cups, um, I typically use, or excuse me, stainless steel measuring cups are typically used for like dry ingredients like flour and sugar, where kind of glass Pyrex ones with like a spout are used for liquid. And I think everybody has everybody has them since the 80s. Uh, they're pretty cheap and they're really good. So a good set of stainless steel measuring spoons with the measurement etched on them is good. Same with measuring cups, stainless steel with measurement etched on them. And then some liquid measures, which are like Pyrex, kind of larger cups as well. That's all you really need. Now the stainless steel measuring cup and spoon set can range you anywhere from $40 to $20, somewhere in there. 
You can usually find them at your grocery store pretty cheap. A mandolin. So a mandolin is a manual slicer used for slicing very thin vegetables. It also comes with a few different blades, including a julienne of a few different sizes. There are a few different types of mandolin, but I prefer the Japanese style, which is just a piece of plastic with a very thin blade. And you uh, raise a lower part of the plastic, and that's how you control the width of your cut. Now, I actually have a Japanese style one. I love it. I bought it for $37 on Amazon, and it's going to last a really long time. And the blades come off for easy cleaning. There's different blades you can put on for different cuts. It does a lot of cool things. Two things about mandolins. First of all, you do not need a mandolin. This is there. This is no way is a mandatory piece of kitchen kit. However, it is a very useful tool. If you cook a lot, it may be something to think about. The second thing about mandolins is that they're very dangerous. The way it works is you slide food across a very sharp blade set to a desired thickness. If your hand slips or your fingers get in the way, there will be blood and a lot of it. So be careful. If you're a klutzy person, maybe avoid the mandolin. And again, you do not need this tool. I will say that it is a very valuable piece of my kitchen kit. Um, and as you cook more and more, you may start to see some value in it for yourself. Cutting boards, wood versus plastic. Now, I've talked in detail about the difference between wooden cutting boards and plastic cutting boards and why wood is better. Um, so I'm not going to go into too much depth with that here. Um, but the big takeaway is that a good quality wood cutting board that you take care of will last you the rest of your life. There is a pretty wide range of prices, but a few hundred dollars will do you. And again, I know it's expensive, but it's going to last a lifetime. And that's kind of the key here with all of this stuff is it's better to spend a little bit more money so you don't ever have to spend any money on it again. Um, and just to really quickly cover it, um, a good quality wooden cutting board, it's going to have some natural antibacterial properties. Uh, it's going to have some natural self-healing properties. With a plastic cutting board, when you cut into it, if there's a divot, that divot is there forever. With a wooden one, it'll either naturally seal a little bit or you'll be able to sand it down. Plastic ones are really hard to clean. Um, wooden ones you know, have natural antibacterial properties and you can just wipe them with soap and water. Um, so there's all kinds of benefits to a wooden cutting board over a plastic one, even though it seems counterintuitive. And for a long time, the consensus was that plastic cutting boards were safer. But when you work in a professional kitchen and you see all the crud that builds up in a plastic cutting board, you never want to use one at home. I don't even own a plastic cutting board. Tongs. One of the most underrated pieces of equipment in any kitchen is a good pair of tongs. By good, I mean solid and easy to handle. In professional kitchens, if we don't have a knife in our hand, we probably have a set of tongs in our hand. We use them to stir, toss, pick up, and to flip foods, and for just about everything else you can imagine. At home, I use them the same way. A good set of tongs should cost no more than $25 and will last a few years or longer. Look for a set that is heavy and made of solid metal. Avoid silicone or plastic tip tongs. Spatula. The term spatula can refer to a lot of different things. There are what we call rubber spatulas, uh, no matter what they're made of. They are the type of spatula that you use to scrape a bowl, like when you're baking. As a side note, I just bought some new ones, and they're pretty awesome. Um, but that doesn't really matter. Sorry. When buying spatulas, I always try to find ones that come in one piece. Otherwise, <clears throat> excuse me, 
moisture can get in and mold can grow. This is true of all small kitchen equipment, actually. There are egg flippers, which can also be called spatulas. These are used for flipping eggs, lifting cookies off a sheet pan, and lots of other things. A nice thin metal spatula is all you need. To use nonstick pans of silicone or rubber is probably a good one too. There are also fish spatulas, which are <clears throat> really thin metal spatulas with holes in them, and they're used specifically for flipping fish. Uh, it's much thinner and more flexible than a regular spatula. You don't need one, but if you do cook a lot of fish, uh, you may want to invest in one. They're about 20 bucks. It's well worth it. Sheet pan. You know them as cookie sheets, baking sheets, or sheet pans. It's just a rectangular piece of metal used for baking cookies and lots of other things. <clears throat> I use them for roasting vegetables, um, and I like I like the ones that have lips on them because anything that you're roasting that leaks out, it's going to get caught. Uh, I recommend stainless steel pans if you can get them. Aluminum will corrode. Um, you can see if you wipe them, if you wipe an aluminum sheet pan with a paper towel after washing it, paper towel will have silver dust on it. Stuff gets in your food. However, good quality aluminum pans won't do that. So think $20 to $30 a pan and always try and put like a piece of parchment or something down. A food mill. A food mill is uh, hard to explain. There's a handle on top and then there's kind of a bowl and then on the bottom there is uh, a die with a bunch of holes in it. And essentially you turn the handle there's a little thing that pushes food around and pushes it down through the hole. Um, it's really good for making super smooth mashed potatoes, uh, really good for pureeing soups, anything like that. Um, I use mine at least once or twice a week. Uh, I think they're fantastic. They can run anywhere from $32 to $80 and are worth every penny. The one I have I bought on sale at Stokes. I don't know if you have Stokes in the U.S. or not, but we have it here. It's also called Think Kitchen. Uh, mine was on sale for $30. I use it every time I make mashed potatoes for pureeing tomato soups and lots of other things. It's such a valuable tool. Now, you don't need one, but you won't be upset if you buy one. Anyway, that's that's a food mill. Roasting pan. Roasting pans are typically used for roasting meat or chicken. However, they can be great for roasting vegetables as well. I prefer the style uh, that is fairly deep with a rack, but that's that's just me. The one, um, there is one that you can find on Amazon. It's like $70, but you don't need to spend that much. You can find them at Ikea for $30, which is what I use. And they also have small ones, which I use a lot um, for different things. So my recommendation for roasting pans is just go to Ikea, get their stainless steel ones. They're fantastic. A vacuum sealer. Vacuum sealers are not a need, but they are generally worth the money. Why? Well, vacuum-sealed foods will last in a freezer up to five times longer than food sealed in a Ziploc bag. If you're the kind of person who buys in bulk, this is something you're going to want for sure. However, in terms of basic kitchen equipment, this is not a need. Put it on the want list, though. They're definitely definitely worth the money. Trivet. Imagine you, you have a hot pot. You just took it off the stove. You put it down on a nice piece of cork or metal. That's called a trivet. Once you start cooking more and more, you'll find trivets even more useful. I prefer cork ones. Again, you can get them at Ikea really cheap, but you can get metal, silicone, um, wooden ones, all kinds of stuff. Immersion blender. Immersion blenders are good for lots of different things, and they are cheap, uh, cheaper than blenders. 
I use them mostly for pureeing soups and for making salad dressings, but they're great for lots of other things too, like even for making smoothies. A good immersion blender will run you between 40 and 50 bucks. You, you can usually find them on sale and you can always find them at yard sales. Food processor. Food processors are much cheaper than they used to be. You can get a small one that will last a few years for around 100 bucks. Uh, they're great for making things like guacamole, hummus, pesto, and the like. They usually come with a few different blades, including a cheese grater. In all honesty, I only ever end up using the main blade to make dips and sauces. Otherwise, like sometimes I'll use the cheese grater, but not that often. Seems to me that uh, food processors don't get much use or don't get used as much as they used to, but I do think they still have value. I think about $100 is a fair price to pay for a small one, but you can easily pay up to $1,200. A ladle. We all know what ladles are for. I like to have a few different sizes other than to make sure you have a ladle for soups, sauces, and other liquids. Slotted spoons. Slotted spoons are used mostly to pick up food that is cooking in a liquid. For example, if you're making a broth-based soup and you want to check to see if the vegetables are cooked, you would use a slotted spoon to pick the vegetables up and let the broth drain away. These cost anywhere from $5 to $20. Just make sure they are nice and sturdy and in one piece. Wooden spoons. Along with my knife and tongs, wooden spoons are my most used tools in the kitchen. I use wooden spoons for pretty much all of my cooking. They're cheap. They last a long time. What's not to love about them? Conclusion. There are some things on this list that are must-haves and some that aren't. Even if you don't have some of the must-haves, don't go and buy them all at once. Spread the cost over a long period of time and build your toolkit gradually. Are there any must-haves that you think I missed? Let me know on social media, everywhere at Chef Ben Kelly. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. This is Chef's Notes. This is, sorry, Food in 5. The blog is chefsnotes.com where you can find all this written out. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back on Wednesday with another episode. <clears throat> of Food and Five, and we're continuing with the series. So I'll see you then. Have a great day, everybody.